Freetopia Urgently optimistic discussions with experts about the technological risks and opportunities shaping our future. I would have all my clones start different Aragon teams, and I would have all of them apply for funding. Hi, that was Luis, his CEO of Aragon One and one of the co-founders of Aragon Association. I guess just from that short clip, you can tell that Luis is really excited about decentralization. I mean, the guy wants to clone himself and have all his clones apply for funding for Aragon Association. Very briefly about Luis. He's a freedom fighter and he started with a startup that was built to help companies fight patent trolls. But then he found out that what's really broken is governments and governance. That was, I think, uh, 2016, 2017, when they founded Aragon. And Aragon's purpose, at least from my point of view, is to become a digital jurisdiction where individuals, companies, groups of people, commons, they could form organizations and govern it as they want. And as you will hear during the interview, uh, one of the recent innovations in the DAO space, decentralized autonomous organizations, is continuous fundraising. It's a really exciting concept and allows for new ways of coordinating around different causes. I really enjoyed this conversation and really sorry for having to make this public service announcement again, but we recorded this call remotely with a tool that I wasn't very familiar with and the quality on Luis's side isn't superb, so sorry for that. But I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you for listening, and see you next week. Hello, podcasters. Today, we're joined by Luis, a freedom fighter and CEO of Aragon One, one of the co-founders of Aragon, the project. And uh, Luis, thank you for making time to join me today. Usually it's me and Anish. Uh, we wanted to get everyone, also Stefano from Aragon Association, but it was crazy difficult with the scheduling. So it's the two of us. Let's, let's uh, uh, enjoy. So you're recreating, in a way, a new legal paradigm, a new legal system on top of blockchains. And, and uh, it's obviously much more than just uh, DAOs as we've seen them now. So I wanted to ask you, what is an example of an ideal DAO that you would like to see run on top of Aragon? And you can go crazy. You can be really creative. Uh, tell me about like what is your vision for the type of DAOs that you envision uh, on Aragon? Yeah, for sure. So there's one example that I really like. And so I was in the protests in Spain when the the subprime crisis hit Spain and the banks were basically kicking out everyone from their homes because they couldn't pay mortgages and stuff like that. And and with these kind of revolutions, what happens is that people go to the streets and they make a lot of noise. And then everyone has the same like intention, but over time they these movements tend to centralize. They tend to create like for example in Spain there was a political party that was created uh, from this movement. And when that happens it usually ends up being like the old system. You end up having like political parties, people who live off uh, being voted and you know all over again, right? And so I think with DAOs we can have uh what I like to call uh 
as leaderless leadership. And so you don't need a dictator. You don't need a CEO for a movement because that doesn't make any sense. But rather, you can have many leaders and you can have an entire community of activists, for example, or like, you know, uh, people that are trying to change things, collaborate and vote on what are the main missions or, or the main goals that the movement has. And so instead of just getting people kind of fork out of, of, the, of the movement because they don't agree with the core sort of values, they can vote on what, on what those core values are. Because I agree now the problem is, as you don't have any way as an activist to basically uh, gather what everyone thinks in the community, like usually movements kind of dissolve over time. And also they don't have a way to fundraise in an accountable way. Like, I mean, you have cash, like cash is not very accountable. You can just get cash and run off with it. And so I think DAOs that have accountable for funding are going to be really great to fund this kind of activist movements. Uh-huh. And uh, I heard about this idea called conviction voting or continuous voting. It was one of the topics discussed at Arcon. Uh, and thank you for giving me a, a community ticket. I really enjoyed the event. And um, could we maybe connect these two ideas? So to me, it seems like uh, existing political parties, they're really rigid because the transaction cost of you know like uh, telling them what you think they should do is really high it sometimes it requires a change in the magnitude of bernie sanders versus you know the main left democratic party uh, could we uh, recreate more fluid and and dynamic uh, political parties on top of something like aragon and what are the building blocks that you need to realize that yeah for sure i actually think that we are going to release Aragon fundraising during the summer. So Aragon fundraising is going to enable anywhere in the world to fundraise uh, in an accountable manner in which, like we're talking holders or your community is the one that really controls how you spend funds, or at least they can allow like a monthly allowance. And so if you are not uh, you know, delivering what you promised, they can basically cut you off. And if you put that with uh, a very cool idea that... Um, the Witnet team hacked in one of uh, in one hackathon. They they worked on on the Aragon platform and also use Witnet their their Oracle system to basically create a way for uh, like citizens to put money into kind of pools and then uh, political parties can promise to do something. For example, they can promise you know we are going to lower uh, pollution in the city if we get chosen. And then with the Oracle, they check if that actually happened with like, you know, whatever weather source or, or, or health source or stuff like that. And then they release funds from the pool. So I definitely think there is a case for political parties using this, especially around fundraising, because the way it works today, political parties usually fundraise from like, you know, uh, banks and stuff like that. And then basically like, uh, you know, your interests lie in uh, with the interests of the people who fund you. And I don't think that's a very good incentive alignment for political parties to be funded by banks. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really see where you're going with that. Um, the issue today is that uh, it's not just with political parties, it's also nonprofit cause and, and movements uh, that you have, you don't even have enough uh ways to allocate your funds so when you just have the democratic party or the republican party or the libertarians tea party whatever or or in uh impact investing you you don't really even have enough options with DAOs and continuous funding in a way you 
uh, use the social signals to gather resources around the cause and then monitor that. So kind of close the loop and see if this movement, which is based on ideas and, and causes and not people, is really delivering on what it's doing. But what would be the process of uh, transitioning, let's say, from one leadership team to another one when they're not delivering? So. Uh, uh, as far as I know, there's this concept of like a reserve, uh, I think it's like a reserve fund. Uh, maybe you can elaborate on that. Yeah, definitely. So basically how it works is there is a reserve. And so when you're actually buying or selling tokens, what you are doing is you, are not, you don't have any counterparty. You are not buying or selling it from any person. Rather, what you are doing is you're depositing or withdrawing funds from a reserve. And so this reserve can be some stable coin, for example, dies, but the value stays constant. And then uh, what, what you do is you put die in. And so depending on, on, on an algorithm that is called a bonding curve, you get a, a determined price. So basically, if you get in very early, for example, you may get tokens very, very cheap. If you get uh, later, you may get them more expensive. And, and, and the same for selling, basically. And so the cool thing about that is, like, you know, you just put die in and then you receive tokens, and then with those tokens, you can vote. So you can vote on, for example, the monthly allowance. And so, as you said, like if a team is not working out or like a political party is not delivering the promises, you can vote collectively to basically change the monthly allowance that goes to zero, and then they don't receive absolutely anything. And so in this model, you could even envision something where you change the, the team, uh, you strap the team, to like another different team that actually wants to deliver on it. And then you let them extract funds by increasing the monthly allowance again. Or you can just say like, this didn't work out, we're just gonna take the funds again. Um, or we're gonna, we're gonna take them back. So the good thing is that it's very flexible. Like, you know, it's exactly the contrary as models, fundraising models we've seen on the blockchain, which like you get a lump sum and then with a lump sum you go and buy lambos, right? Like that's exactly the contrary model uh, that we would like to see for a control fundraising. Yeah, that, that that is definitely an improvement on the one-off lump sum, as you said, model of ICOs. But one of the issues that I had, I, I gave uh, very early feedback to Tibold. He's also working on continuous organizations. I'm not sure if it's a competing uh, project, but... Uh, it, that was like my way of getting introduced to continuous fundraising. And the inefficiency that I saw with uh, this model was that you could never deploy all of the amount that you raise. So, uh, But now that you're uh, kind of talking about it, I see where the benefit of that is. So we're not really, this model of continuous fund, fundraising is more like a, a venture capital fund where you allocate uh resources but uh you you don't need to uh do that all in advance so so the money is in the reserve fund but in a way mid uh you know in the middle of the process the team could even change and or they could say uh, sorry things didn't go well now we change our strategy and and please continue funding us i wanted to uh change the topic a little bit go zoom out um i i saw that you uh talk about uh, Aragon being a, an idea or movement for freedom fighters. So I, at the same time, you're building these tools. So I wanted to know if Aragon is like a philosophy, a movement, or is it 
planning to be a real world usable platform for creating organizers, or it could be both. I hope it's both of them. But uh, there are some challenges for Aragon to be really usable in real world. Like, what what are uh, the the hurdles from your point of view? Yeah, I think it's very interesting that you mentioned that because when we started working on Aragon, we first had to create this community of like freedom fighters, and so everything was very inspirational. And right now, I'd say we we kept those people, but now they are all much more focused on actually delivering products. And so I think the the core change uh, or, or the core difference with other projects in the space is we actually started thinking of Aragon as a movement. Like I really cringe when people call it like an ICO project or like an ICO company and stuff like that. It's like... It's so wildly different. So, like, if you look at Aragon, for example, there is no single development team that is leading. So, like, right now we have three different development teams. Uh, we may even have more in the future. And so, even the way we work together is like super, super decentralized. Uh, the way we govern ourselves, so like every three months, AMT holders um, get to basically vote in the future of the network and of Aragon. So, like, we are really trying to decentralize the way it works because. I think there is. I think it's kind of an oxymoron to have decentralized projects that are run by centralized entities because they are not decentralized, really. And so we are really trying to, you know, to, to adhere to that. At the same time, we have to create products that are resolved by people, right? And so uh, we have a lot of challenges in terms of coordination. It's like obviously, like everything is way faster if you have one team and one dictator to use go forward quicker. But on the other hand, we are also experiencing the benefits of having like multiple teams and Aragon being a movement, which is you get a larger community, you get um, actually many kind of like dictators or like founders kind of profile. Because I think that's great for moving things forward, right? But um, as I said before, with movements, like you don't want to have one dictator uh, or one leader. You want to have many leaders. And so that's what we're getting now with Aragon being a movement. We have this electric development teams. And in these development teams, everyone feels like a founding kind of uh, person in the ecosystem. And I think that's super cool. Like, it's like the, the perfect marriage between like a community-driven project while still having founders and people who really care about, you know, making it work. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful idea. I I hope that you guys manage to uh, really live up to the standards that you're setting for yourselves. I had a short chat with Yalda from Autark. And I think uh, Autark is the first non-founding team that is funded at the level. It's like 390000 It's quite significant. And uh, I won't uh, just bother you with all my questions about that process. I think it might be even more interesting to uh, hear uh, it from the perspective of one of these teams. So we'll have a conversation later with Yelda and uh, see what it took for them to become uh, like uh, I think they're the third team working on Aragon, right? They were actually the second. The third one is called Aragon Black, but yeah, they were the second. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. That, even better. So, um, and following on uh, this idea of uh, Aragon being both a movement and now trying to build the tools and platform, uh, one of the issues that I see it's not just with Aragon, but in general with the blockchain space is that you already need to be uh, invested heavily in these uh, platforms. So be it uh, holding DAI or Ether or you know these ERC-20 tokens to even uh, be able to participate in the processes. So because we don't have 
any kind of real life jurisdiction and enforcement power, we need everyone to stake tokens or we reward them with tokens. But this is really inefficient. Like imagine just in real life, you have thousands of interactions on a daily basis from getting on an Uber to uh, ordering food that is not toxic. So imagine if all of them had to stake tokens. Uh, this seems like a very inefficient process. How do you see this changing? Like, can can we imagine in a couple of years having uh, on-chain reputation systems that don't require you to uh, stake your tokens all the time? Yes. No. So the way we are looking at this is, first of all, we're trying to make some organizations be the ones that actually like need to own tokens to do things. So, for example, right now. The earliest implementation of that is just implementing meta transactions. So you don't have to pay for, for gas when you're interacting with an organization. So the organization pays, pays that for you. And, and you can also see like macro sort of organizations doing this. For example, we're working on the, on the Aragon network. And so that's going to provide services for decentralized organizations and what we also call like sovereign individuals. So like people whose main jurisdiction is the internet, basically. And so the idea with, with that is uh, that the network will start providing services, for example, a court system to resolve disputes. But down the road, it will also provide other other sort of services. For example, you know, think of uh, smart contract insurance. Um, think about many other kind of protections that you need in this decentralized world. And so I think it would be great to see these DAOs that are that bundle. Like a lot of services together because I think there are cycles in which you bundle and then you unbundle and you bundle again. And I definitely think that if we don't bundle things together in a beautiful user experience, and maybe, you know, we just tell the users, you need this one token. And with this one token, you get access to a lot of these benefits here. Like you don't need to own a hundred and read about the crypto economics for those hundred, these lasting rules, all of those things. I think that will be a great step forward. Oh, so here we have to enter the galaxy brain that gifts. This is a really interesting idea. I had never heard of anyone um, phrase it at least like in this way. Um, so you're saying that uh, we might have, uh, may, it could be more than one, but at least abstract level tokens that represent more than one token. And this, your holding of these tokens represents your on-chain self. So, and I, I can see uh, this actually working. Like, you know, I'm active on Twitter and in a way it's even more important than me losing my uh, work contract. It's, 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 a, it's my online real estate that it's really valuable to me. So in future, you could have your uh, Twitter reputation, your personal identity, all kinds of tokens that you have all under the same umbrella. And then whenever you participate in uh, any kind of new DAO or, or activity, you're not just staking one token for that one purpose. You're, uh, you could, in a way, uh, reuse the same tokens that you, you use to participate in different DAOs in this new one, right? Yeah, and if you're just thinking of like a kind of like a traditional world analogy, like you have nation states, and then when you use like a public service, like a, like a, you know, you go to the doctor, or you are just on the street, or you use a like highway or stuff like that, like you don't have to own a share or a token or a, you know an access code for every single of those things. So as a decent, 
And citizenship is like the ultimate token to have access to those services in the jurisdiction. So I kind of see it the same way. Like, uh, you know, users will own not a lot of tokens. And with those tokens, they will be citizens of jurisdictions. And those jurisdictions provide services that a lot of them will be just bundles of the DeFi services we have today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I just thought of, of another uh, conversation that I've been having with a bunch of people, and that is, um, we, we're all aware of the you know idea of universal basic income. And uh, people mention it as a solution for unemployment, uh, as a result of technology. And uh, I, I think a, a much better solution than UBI could be that you you get tokens from thousands or eventually millions. You don't even know you're participating in them. So you, you, if you, you have these uh, tokens that, that you get from all your activities, they could kind of give you an, a pseudo UBI that is comprised of many thousands of different uh, ownership stakes in different platforms. So when you go to a, a blockchain dentist, you get some tokens. When you go to blockchain Facebook, you get some tokens. And at the end, it's not universal, but is a, it's like the same idea of having one token represent your your on-chain identity, but the same idea applied to your basic income. Uh, have you thought about this or have you seen people talking about it? That's interesting. I, I haven't actually seen anyone talk about bundling in the the token sense of it. And I think like it, it's so it's so interesting. Like, you know, you can as you said, like you can the stuff like like UBI that belongs to many networks. I think one very cool side effect of tokens is that you can create baskets very easily. Like you can use mm -hmm. one of these protocols, the was accept protocol. And you can literally create a basket with it. That that's exactly uh, where I think the very early idea for me came from, and I uh, we're also going to talk to uh, this new project called I think Humanity DAO. So they give you a, a very small universal basic income of I think one dollar per month or one die per month, and uh, that gave me the idea that oh, what if you got many tiny uh, universal basic incomes from your participation, your active or passive participation. And that could be a much more pragmatic kind of compromise to, to compared to UBI. Because like the, my, my real issue and going back to democracy, it's something we want to talk about is that w when uh, nations commit to paying their citizens a UBI, it's kind of like they gave up on them. Like you're useless and just stay alive on this $1,000 or euros per month, and th that ends. So, But in comparison to that, when you have many thousands of tiny UBIs uh, comprising a monthly income, then you are incentivized to keep participating in those networks. And I think th this is a, a side of the tokenize everything movement that uh, is kind of underhyped and not talked about too much, but it is really important. So now as consumers, we just participate. It's a one-way relationship. We add value to the market cap of Facebook and Google when you, we use their services. But in future, if they uh, agree to tokenize to some extent, uh, we could have a much more inclusive ownership uh, structure with, with these token rewards. And um, the, the next topic that I wanted to talk to you about is, so we touched upon uh, distribution and redistribution a little bit with this uh, 
multi-thousand UBI token. But uh, what is you know your perspective on uh, the current uh, token distribution landscape on blockchains? The early hodlers, the the veils, they own so much that if these uh, systems, even including Aragon, right? If you guys really make it and there's no mechanism for redistributing the tokens that are already distributed, which is unlikely, then we're looking at some kind of crypto feudalism. I think wealth redistribution, it's a very hard topic to talk about. And I, I fear that we are kind of creating a new elite that is the crypto holders, as you said. And I think there are a couple of possible solutions for it. I mean, I don't have like the, the final one, but I think uh, a couple of things that help is obviously user experience. Like I think that one is very underrated. Like if people, there is a there is a distinction between people being able to access the systems and people actually accessing them. And so that distinction is usually user experience right now because everything is so technical, everything is so complex, so advanced. And I think this user experience uh, and good communications will really help a lot. Then apart from that, you have stuff like inflation and you have methods in which you can keep, you know, creating more and more supply over time. And I think that makes a lot of sense too. Like it makes sense to have some inflation system in which uh, like over time people start having more and more uh, access tokens instead of just like 100% this among the first participants. I think... The hard part there is how do you actually keep people incentivized to be early adopters at the same time? Because you still want to reward early adopters. And I think Bitcoin did also a great job at that. Maybe not a great job at wealth distribution, but at least, um, you know, keeping early adopters happy. And so, yeah, my, like, I, I don't have more solutions more than just this experience and communications at this point. Mm-hmm. So I have two kind of hard questions following up on this one. One of them is, um, one of our friends, Elad Verbin, he is uh, uh, one of the people uh, organizing this token engineering movement. And he talks about the idea of uh, algorithmic redistribution or taxation. Um, and we just talked about the broken crypto pseudo-feudalism that's uh, at least the system right now. So do you envision uh, Aragon, for example, uh, facilitating on-chain taxation. I think we just lost a million uh, <laughs> libertarian subscribers that we don't even have. But like, do you do you envision a future where Aragon could be used to tax uh, network participants? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, right now the system that we have actually in terms of ANT votes is a very simple system. It's like you know uh, one token, one vote, and so it obviously uh, like encourages. Um, like people who have tokens to, to use both and they can even, you know, you can even have people who buy a heat stake and try to sort of monopolize the whole system. And so the reason that why we have that, and I actually think it's a great model and it's been working for us, is because it's the only model that works today. Like it's simple, um, everyone gets it and, and that's it. I think there are two things here. And so one of them is what's technically possible. And the other thing is what's uh, understandable for people. And so I'm actually a huge fan of very simple models because like people uh, get it and it's technically feasible to implement. I think, I mean, Aragon itself, the, the, the Aragon client, the product, it can be used for whatever. So you can really plug out our default voting app and you can plug your own. And it's super easy and straightforward. You can implement super crazy like governance mechanisms. You can implement um, 
like quadratic coding if you want you can implement um like you know commit and reveal schemes but i think argon the project with the amt uh, boats will probably stay very similar to what we have now the reason is because it's very hard to do macro governance that um in which you have participants that can be anonymous and you know put that with something like one person one vote like it's almost impossible and so mm -hmm. that that's i think that's one of the issues that i see that i think there is no way like we keep coming back to democracy and i think there is no way democracy works in this like pseudonymous era right right uh so now that you talked about this i'll keep the second hard question for later but i wanted to ask you do you really believe in democracy or at least does it does it even have a chance to be ever implemented uh on on blockchain networks i mean i think you can definitely sort of like right now if you create a DAO and you give um you give one token per person you are effectively creating a democracy, right? So like that's that's fairly easy to do with Argon today. The issue is in these bigger systems. And in these bigger systems, you have a trade-off. You either have uh, anonymous participants or you have democracy, but like you just cannot really have both. And so I think the, the great change uh, that blockchains are giving us is pseudonymity. So, I would actually mm -hmm. say this is one of the situations in which, like, you cannot, I mean, you, you can think that um, that you like it, that you don't like it, but I think we are predestined to ditching democracy's model and trying out new models. And I think democracy worked out for, you know, some centuries, and, and it's a great model, but I think we need to experiment. Like, I would love to see a new governance model tried out every year until we, like, arrive to something that works way better for organizing humankind. And I think new governance models are needed for each era. So, like, the agricultural era, the industrial era, had different governance models to, to the ones we need now. Right, right. Uh, that, that's definitely... I, I share your vision, too. So, And uh, back to the second hard question. So, this one's about... Uh, funding teams that are working on Aragon. We could call it Aragon Project, I think. So for now, the mechanism for uh, funding these teams is that, I, as far as I know, the whole network votes, for example, with Autark or Aragon 1 and Aragon Black. But can you imagine uh, teams that are VC funded or they're funded not by Aragon itself, but by external entities working on the same projects, even competing implementations of Aragon? And then what are the implementations, uh, sorry, implica implications of that? Yeah, so I think that's a very interesting topic. We were actually talking about this the other day. Like uh, we have this amazing like you know grants program and everything but what happens if you know one of the teams you decides to kind of work on their own or have their own funding mechanism and stuff like that and i think the great thing about tokens in general is that you can align people's incentives very easily so for example right now with the um with the different aragon teams they have ANT and this ANT, you know, best over time. Uh, I think the standard right now for Flock teams is like, uh, uh, like four years. Uh, Flock is like our, our grants program for Aragon teams. And so during four years, you make sure that someone is really incentivized to, you know, drive the value of ANT up. And so I think that works even, even you can have like VCs coming into these teams, investing into these teams because they believe that what they are doing is great and they believe that they can actually 
help AMT growing value. And so they invest into these teams as a proxy for investing in AMT because they think that they are eventually going to get the full grant uh, if they work on the project. And that wouldn't really change the incentive model. That would still keep them incentivized to work on, on Aragon. So I think, yeah, I mean, I'm very curious to see how it works. Right now, the three teams are very happy and incentivized. Uh, but I'm very happy to, or, or thinking how it could evolve. Mm -hmm. So two points here. One is to caveat this with what happened with Zero uh, X. They kept saying the, the value of Zero X comes from governance. And I don't remember the name of the exchange, the DEX that forked away. But despite having significant Zero X uh, holding, they uh, they did fork because they, they couldn't really align uh, long term. So that's one point. And then the second one is... Um, do you have any ideas for uh, using continuous fundraising for Aragon Association or the project itself? Like, how would you do that? You, you raise, I think, close to $25 million. And you guys, uh, I, I guess with the help of Stefano, managed to not get completely wrecked by the crypto printer. So that's great. But what if you run out of uh, your your you know existing funds and you want to raise more funding do, because aragon has this quarterly uh, voting mechanism could you for example mint new tokens to raise a hundred million dollars from uh, value aligned uh, venture funds yeah for sure that's the good thing about the the votes is anyone can propose anything and it can actually get through like we we even have like anonymous users doing like these proposals uh and, and some of them were approved by the network so like yeah definitely okay that, that sounds great it was a short response i thought it would be more controversial uh and uh, where i want to go with that is so for now aragon is ruled by uh idealists here like yourself and um but that's not really guaranteed so we don't know if the redistribution as time goes on goes more towards in institutional uh entities holding more tokens or it's going to be a very wide distribution and that takes me to this question which is um what really what makes the rule by nerds more fair and equitable than ruled by politicians or capitalists so so it, it, these are the two scenarios one is that you guys the nerds the the founders the freedom fighters stay in power and then the second one is institutional entities they really take over yeah i think first of all if you have something like a technical council which i think it makes sense for a lot of technical upgrades so for example there was one of the governance proposals approved in the in the last ballot was around making it so for each smart contract upgrade there is the the argon one team which is uh which is my team inside the argon ecosystem and also the security auditors elected by the argon network um, that need to vote, like the two of them need to vote for a new version of the of the Argon client and the smart contracts to be approved uh, and upgraded. And so that will evolve in the future into something that resembles more like a technical council. And I think that makes sense that there is like a small group of people that are very knowledgeable and can actually do those things and carry on those tasks. Of course, I think AMT holders or like the broader community should have the ability to block that. And because that's, I mean, in the end, you want the community to have full power. So I think in those, uh, in that sense, it makes sense that ha to have these like nerds, uh, so to say, that are the ones that form these technical committees. But for the broader audience, 
I, I think, I mean, I definitely agree, like, ideally, what you could have is you could treat one of the, these things as a mix between, like, a common good and sort of, like, a stakeholder governance, right? Because at the end, like, you still have fans that can come in, you still have founders, you still have, like, all of these, uh, you know, models that own power and own a stake. But ideally, what we would arrive to is to the, to the masses owning a huge part of these uh, token supplies in the beginning. And so with that, we end up with something that makes much more sense and ends up being more like power to the people, which would be like my dream and, and why we're building these systems. Yeah, thank you for that. So uh, next thing on my list is, uh, so far we talked about uh, Aragon itself with the development teams and then new DAOs being formed on top of Aragon with the tools that you've provided. But one of the ideas that uh, you know I've seen uh, in the past couple of years around the ecosystem is, could we... Um, fork away or unbundle governance of these existing projects like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Especially with Ethereum, we're already seeing some efforts with Moloch DAO. And I've seen people, I think it was from you yourself or Aragon that you proposed uh, Ethereum Foundation should uh, transfer their funds to an Aragon DAO. Uh, so do you see this happening to a very large project like Bitcoin itself in a way that we mirror the existing voting mechanism with you know, the hash power uh, somehow through some crypto economic primitive to uh, uh, to tokens uh, on uh, that, that are represented on DAOs uh, and and this would be, I guess, m much more complicated than just starting an org or DAO from scratch. Yeah, I think there you have like a couple a couple of issues. One of them is like layer one, right? So like layer one, there is the argument that it should be like super super unopinionated, and that it should basically be like a dumb network to then build like more smart things on top of. And so. You know, I think it depends on the protocol. I think for Ethereum in particular, like Ethereum is like a like an ongoing effort. So like it needs to basically be upgraded very, very often in order for it to like, you know, satisfy developers that are building on the platform. And maybe one day we reach like a stability point and that's it. But like right now it definitely needs more more love and more upgrades. And so I think once you have something like that, it makes sense to have a governance mechanism that is very, very flexible. And so it makes sense to have something like a DAO that can be uh, that can be the one that decides you know when to upgrade, when to push like an EIP forward or or stuff like that. And I mean, and then in the future you have these cases around like generalized mining, in which like you sort of merge like DAOs minting tokens or creating new tokens with mining, and so mining can mean uh, like algorithmic mining, or it can mean work. Like mining for me, like it's basically. Uh, everything in which you create new value out of uh, out of work, right? Um, and so that can be freelancers that are connected into a network and providing value and getting tokens in return from the DAO, or it can be like Bitcoin mining. Actually, there was a project that implemented this was very interesting. Implemented Bitcoin on Ethereum, so like the uh, Bitcoin scarcity on Ethereum, and you would mine, you would submit a hash, and then you would participate in like a proof of work system inside Ethereum. Yeah, that, that is definitely really interesting. And uh, what I thought about now was that if uh, a significant majority of uh, Bitcoin mining pools 
they decide that we're going to dedicate 10% of our mining rewards to this Aragon DAO, uh, essentially we have already accomplished what I was talking about. So it's it's not a layer one solution, it's kind of off-chain governance. You need uh, the, these mining pools to decide that we're going to do this. And it, it could be very controversial, but I think it is doable, right? Yeah, definitely. I think protocol inflation is a beautiful way of funding funding common goods. We're going to wrap up the conversation here with a question that might be a hard question, or uh, it's 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 related to the real world, uh, you know, applications of blockchain networks. And I, I looked at your website, both the Aragon Association and the Aragon One page. And almost exclusively, everyone was uh, crypto native. There, there, and and your marketing efforts, your business development—they're all uh, geared towards uh, existing projects or new projects on, within blockchain uh, ecosystem. So, what is the reason for that? And uh, do you uh, envision uh, maybe in a couple of months or a couple of years, Aragon being used for? Uh, real world, you know, like real impact projects that are uh, implemented in maybe in even nationwide? Yeah, for sure. So that's a very good question. And the only reason why we were targeting the crypto community so much, it's because user experience. Like if we, if we went with a product that we had a few months ago to any like, you know, person on the street, they wouldn't even know where to start. It would require like literally hours and hours of learning for a person to just create uh, a decentralized organization. And so now we are approaching a moment in which Aragon is way more useful than it was like a year ago. And so with our latest release that we're going to publish during the summer, uh, 0.8, it's going to be a totally different story because we have worked so much on user experience. I think now, I mean, there's still a bunch of things that are hard to explain to people. Like, yeah, you need a private key. Um, yeah, like transactions take time. But at least now, like, you know, with, with the latest releases, you see that a transaction is confirming and it's like a beautiful notification and stuff like that, right? And so I think we're getting closer and closer to having something that we can sell to people across the world. I mean, it's not really sell because it's like open source and we don't make any money, but like that we can convince people to use very easily because it actually adds value to their day to day and it's easy to use. And so I think that wasn't the case a year ago. Like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to always have like the, my, my mom using products that I, that I create over all my lifetime. And, and I think we are not near my mom being able to use it, but we are near, for example, my sister to be able to use it. And so once we reach that moment, I think it's going to be like a total change in direction to actually reach like more people in the world that are not in the crypto community. And I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just invented a new versioning system. Aragon, Aragon sister release, Aragon mom release, Aragon grandma <laughs> release. <laughs> so uh, I, I really hope exactly. that, that does, yeah, that does happen. And what is uh, one organization? It could be anything. Uh, you know, the kind of stuff that you see, for example, a project like Ocean. They're already talking about. Um, private compute on uh, medical data. And is is there something like this with real-world impact that uh, you're already uh, working on or you would like to see implemented on top of Aragon? Yeah, I think if I had to pick one of my favorite ones uh, is activism. Like, I think the if you look at what was possible before Aragon and before 
specifically without Aragon fundraising uh, and the model that we are pushing forward with bonding curves and, and all of that. And you look at what's possible with ETH, it's like an, a before and after. Like you can do a lot of things that were just not possible with the existing way of organizing. So I think if I have to pick one in the next months that is not like crypto oriented, I will pick that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So we haven't released a podcast yet, so no one knows what's the final uh, question we ask everyone. So it's still cool. I'll ask you the same thing we have asked everyone. And that is, what would you do if you had 100x Louises or uh, $100 billion, or you could have a combination? So like $2 billion and the rest of them clones of yourself. That's a really great question. So what I could do is... I would have all my clones start different Aragon teams, and I would have and and and, and I would have all of them apply for funding. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Okay, okay, and and then and then you use the rest of the billions to funnel the funds to Aragon. <laughs> exactly to fund to funnel the clones, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay so you know you just showed that you're a good founder so i i hope that helps your case and you you, you stay within aragon so um thank you for your time it, it was a really great conversation um i hope we can talk to stefano after he's back from his break and uh go more deeper also with yalda from autark into the everything from the perspective of a third party uh founding team for aragon um but we'll wrap it up here and if you have anything that you would like to announce and also your social media handle please uh tell us now yeah for sure so you can follow me on twitter uh my user media handle is l i and then Quende, which is my surname, uh, or you can just like, you know, look for Luis Aragon and you're going to find me. Yeah. Thank you for that. So thanks uh, everyone for listening and see you. Talk to you next week. Pretopia.fm.